Hey, welcome to the Unqualified Scholar Podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friend Alyssa, and we're going to talk about something I am not qualified to talk about. Out of this long list of things that I know nothing about, what do you have for me today? What is the national animal of Scotland? Oh, we're back on animals. The national animal of Scotland. Actually, I think this covers a couple of our topics. But Okay, so is this, um, <clears throat> like when you think about this Scottish animal, mm-hmm. right? Um, is it unique to Scotland? No. Okay, all right. Not unique to Scotland. Not unique to Scotland. A mountain goat. No. No? Is no. that close? Does it uh, have four legs? It has four legs, yes. Okay. <clears throat> Does it have long, floppy ears? No. Okay. Small-eared, four-legged. It does have a horn. Okay. A unicorn. It is. It is. A really. unicorn. That's not an animal. That's an imaginary creature. That is what their national animal is. Okay, Scotland. We need to talk. <clears throat> a unicorn. Mm-hmm. A, a horse with one horn. Yes. Okay. Do you know what Wales is national animal is? Like the the little English sort of country of Wales? Yes. Their national animal? Their national animal. I know a joke about Wales. The country the country of Wales? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a horrible joke. Can I say this <clears throat> joke on a religious podcast? Eh, probably. There's five people listen to it. <clears throat> so this man's in a bar, mm-hmm. and he hears these two women, and they're speaking in uh, an Eng- what he hears as an English accent. And so he's, you know, he's he's drunk. So he says, are, are you ladies from England? And one of them snarks at him, Wales. And he says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Are you Wales from England? <laughs> sorry. Um... The national animal of Wales. Mm -hmm. Whale. No. No? Okay. No. Let's do the 20 questions thing. Is it uh, four legs? Yes. You had to think about that. I think potentially it could have more. It could have more than four legs? I think most most have four. Most have... That's bizarre. <laughs> is it an imaginary creature or is it real? <coughs> Depends on who you talk to. Oh my gosh. It's probably a six legged fairy. No. A spider. No. No? All right. Spider's I, not I, an animal. I give up. A spider is an animal. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a dragon. <sighs> I, you know, apparently marijuana has been legal over there for a long time. <laughs> That's a, yeah, um, that's interesting. Um, I, I guess dragons can have as many legs as you want them to have, right? Yeah, I mean, like, it, it depends on the artist's rendition, right? Sure, like, yeah. Now I'm, now I'm thinking about Trogdor the Burninator. Do you know Trogdor? No. I was trying to think of uh, the dragon from Shrek. Oh, yeah. What's that dragon's name? I don't think that dragon has a name. I don't dragon. think she does, yeah. Yeah. Shrek is amazing. <clears throat> I should watch Shrek again. Um, but something I do know a little bit about is uh, biblical studies. Mm-hmm. And um, 
we've been talking through the book of Romans in church. Uh-huh. And so we've gotten to, uh, Romans has a, a very uh, good structure. It's very systematically oriented. It's very, it has a very logical flow. It starts with uh, sin, wrongdoing, the, the rebellion of man against God. Uh-huh. And that's a whole section. And what Paul does in that section is he sort of uh, talks about all of humanity in, in three different categories. He talks about the obvious sinner to sort of get everybody nodding along with him. And then he moves to the person who has rules. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, even the rules guy needs to come to God his way. And then the final person is the religious person. And the religious person um, still has to come to God his way. And that's where um, we've transferred from the sin section to the salvation section. Okay. How do we get rescued from sin? And Romans three twenty-one to 26 is really like the, that's like the kernel of what Paul's talking about. And there are three images. The The problem with Romans 3, 21 to 26 is that the language is very technical. And so unless you're using, I mean, even if you're using like the New Living Translation, which mm-hmm. is a, it's a good translation, um, <clears throat> that's going to help you understand the concepts a little bit better. But there's really no escaping words like, um, there's justification and what's the R one? justification and righteousness <laughs> for some reason redemption got stuck in my head but uh, righteousness is the noun and justify is the birth okay so justify means to declare righteous righteous is like it starts with god his eternal characteristic of being right and the standard of what is right mm-hmm. and so in the gospel what jesus did on the cross when someone believes in jesus they are declared legally righteous by God, not on the basis of their own merits, but on the basis of Christ's merits. Okay. And that's really like, <clears throat> that's over, that's overwhelming, mm-hmm. right? And there's no way really to escape the technical language that Paul uses because Paul is using things to talk about very specific ideas, right? Okay. Like if you use the word dragon, we don't know if you're talking about an ice dragon, fire dragon, water dragon, six-legged dragon, four-legged, mm-hmm. two-legged, whatever, you know? We right. don't know unless you used um, like a very something more specific, like a whatever a specific word for dragon is. <laughs> four-legged so, dragon. Yeah, you'd have to add the four-legged. I think, okay, so if you went to... Flying dragon. Flying dragon. I think there's a wyvern. Isn't that a category of dragon? I don't know. I don't know very much about dragons. You don't know dragons? No. Some of my dragon people, if you could, you know, chime in here, that would be helpful. I, there's there's probably that one guy, right? Yeah. Just like lives in his mom's basement. He's like, no, 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 let me tell you a little bit about dragons. Anyway, <laughs> if you hear that, call us. Um, but it's really hard to get away from that specific language. <clears throat> and there are three images kind of built into 321 to 26. The first image is that legal image. Okay. To be declared righteous is a legal concept. That's where the judge says not guilty. Mm-hmm. And... In in the first three chapters, Paul is establishing that you are guilty. And then because of what Jesus did, he's saying now you are declared not guilty, right? So it's a courtroom image. The other image is from the slave market. It's a financial term called redeem. Okay. So when you are redeemed, you are purchased out of the slave market. I think a lot of times in our in our time, 
like when we think about slavery, we think about the 1800s, the 1600, 1800 American mm-hmm. slave experience, which was very bad, um, <clears throat> very racially motivated, although there were points and times when people were treated well, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but ancient slavery was different. Right. In ancient slavery, many people were slaves. And they had different legal rights and different legal responsibilities. And so some of those legal rights were that you could purchase your freedom. And so if you worked hard and squirreled away your money, you had the right to property. You could purchase your freedom and be free. You could also sell yourself into slavery. Mm -hmm. If you were in debt, you would have your debts covered. And for some people, this wasn't a bad option. Okay. Because the other, the alternative was something like starvation. Mm-hmm. So I can starve or I can sell myself. Uh, what, what do I need to do here? Right. Probably the people who were the worse off were the day laborers. Um, people who did not, who were not owned by another person and were unable to um, have the family network that would take care of them. Mm-hmm. So they would kind of hire themselves out day by day. <clears throat> now that's great if you have work, right? But on the day when like there's the maintenance costs of life, the uh, place to stay, the food to eat. If mm-hmm. you don't have someone who is helping you with that, right? Either your family or your your owner, um, that could be a bad situation, you know, because you could go a couple days without food. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the different ways that people got into slavery. Uh, war captive, selling yourself, all those kind of things. But then you could be bought out of that situation. So imagine that you are like uh, Canada invades and they take a bunch of captives and I'm one of them. <laughs> and my wife comes and she says, I'll, I'll take that one. Yeah. And, you know, she's willing to pay, you know, whatever it is to get me out. <laughs> she, she probably is going to bargain. Like he's old. He's not in good shape, you know. <laughs> I get them for 20 bucks. <clears throat> but that was a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And can you imagine the feeling of seeing your relative coming to rescue you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that picture is built into the word redemption in Romans 3, 21 to 26. The other image is a religious image, and it goes back to the Old Testament where in the sacrificial system, the high priest would make an, uh, an offering for the people on the Day of Atonement. And the way that Paul connects that is he uses the word um, hilasterion in chapter uh, 325. And that word is used for the cover of the Ark of the Covenant that was inside the temple or the tabernacle, depending on when you are talking. And that was the place where the high priest would sprinkle the blood of an animal. Mm -hmm. And that would affect atonement, a covering over or wiping away of not just one person's sins, but the sins of the nation on the Day of Atonement. Okay. And so the picture is of Jesus as a high priest who goes to God for us, mm-hmm. and Jesus as the substitute, as the sacrifice that covers over our sin problem. And so Paul packs these three images right there into you know this statement of the gospel. <clears throat> and so when we think about like what the gospel is, it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? Okay. But then it is also how that applies to each person's life. And this is apprehended, like, what do I have to do to get this? Okay. Faith, okay? Mm-hmm. 
But we need to understand that faith is a robust term, right? Okay. So I'm sitting on a stool right now. Mm-hmm. I believe it's a stool. Okay. Okay, so I don't have to sit on it to believe that it's a stool. But when I sit on the stool, I am relying on, I am trusting in the stool. So that's what, when it comes to the gospel, it's not just, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. But no, I am trusting that Jesus is going to go to God for me mm-hmm. and that Jesus is going to handle the payment for my sin problem. Okay. And so that means that I am brought into a new relationship to God and a new relationship to everybody in the world. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful idea. And so you can imagine, so Paul is writing this to a group of uh, Roman Jews. So there, there were Jews who were spread throughout the ancient world. And when Paul writes this to them, they probably became Christians as a result of a pilgrimage to um, Jerusalem. Okay. Um, some of them were there probably the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and Peter was preaching. Right. They became Christians. So now they're uh, Jewish ethnically, mm-hmm. but religiously they're Christians. And they're seeing the significance of all these pictures in the Old Testament in a new way for the first time. So they go back to Rome and they start a church. <clears throat> well, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, as Paul writes the letter, he's writing this detailed, systematic exposition of the gospel to make sure that the church in Rome like gets the full picture mm-hmm. from an authoritative source um, and then also is able to like pass it on to the next generations, right? But you can imagine that there's that one guy... <laughs> Who's going to be like, no, this is wrong. And there's probably actually a lot of them. Right. Right. Because the idea that you can be right with God through faith is actually a radical idea. Because people are accustomed to working for what they get. And that's where even the the ancient religious people, like we see um, salvation and the gospel in the Old Testament where for them it was a little bit cloudy because they would look back at the ancient stories of their people and they would pull out the works that Abraham did for obedience Mm -hmm. as sort of like ground zero. Well, see, Abraham was right with God because he did what he was supposed to do. And so in chapter 4, Paul has to deconstruct that. And so he has to basically say, wait a minute, Let's actually think about Abraham from the Bible and not just from really pop culture of the day. Um, Because the pop culture belief was that Abraham did, he worked, oh my goodness, I'm just gastric over here. Um, Abraham did the works, you can see them in the Bible, and they focused on the works. Mm -hmm. And so Paul has to deconstruct that because everybody comes to God by faith, even Abraham. So, chapter 4 of the book of Romans. What shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, something that people believe, mm-hmm. he has something to boast about. Then people believe that too, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. 
so right up right up front, Paul is being very careful to say, wait a minute, Abraham believed God mm -hmm. and it counted to him for righteousness. That's in Genesis 15, 6. I'm sorry, yeah, 15, 6 is where that lands. And if you go look at it, it says the exact same things. Uh, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Okay? Yeah. <clears throat> so right there, Paul is saying, look, here's this text in the Old Testament about the Jewish hero Abraham mm -hmm. and how God counted his belief, his faith, his trust as righteousness. Trust in what? Okay. <clears throat> so if you go to Genesis 12, there's this promise that God makes to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, God changed his name later, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went. And that, like the first thing he has to do is he has to trust God in that, but then uh, the, the motion to believe, the obedience comes after the faith, right? Mm -hmm. So Jewish people could look back at that and say, oh yeah, look, he did what he was supposed to do. He moved when God told him to move. But what Paul brings out is from also from Genesis 15, <clears throat> you have to have the faith to do it. You got to believe it. If I tell you your house is on fire <clears throat> and you're like, that's nice. Right. You, you have to do something with it, right? Right. You have to fully rely on the stool. And so that's where like in Romans four, like Paul is going to go on from there and he's going to sort of pick out the very Jewish things that people believed about the old Testament. They believed that Abraham was owed righteousness by God for his works. Mm -hmm. And Paul's like, no, 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 go back. Go back and look. Go back and think. Abraham believed God, and that's what credited righteousness to him. Mm -hmm. But then also, um, <clears throat> the Jewish people were very excited about circumcision. And we've talked <laughs> about circumcision before. And the reason, one of the reasons that it was such a big deal is because in the time before Christ, the Greeks, who were dominating the Jewish people, right. Disallowed circumcision, and um, <clears throat> would would basically hurt you, kill you if you circumcised your babies, um, because they were trying to make people more Greek. So, how do you feel about government overreach? Not, not, not a fan. Yeah. Right? No, nobody's a fan of the government telling you what you can and can't do. Right? Doesn't doesn't really matter what the topic is, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where. How far are we? Oh, yeah, we're good. <clears throat> so I think that's where, like, it doesn't matter if you're, like, what the political topic is, mm -hmm. okay? Whether it's uh, marijuana, guns, abortion, whatever, we don't want the government in all those things, mm -hmm. for the most part. Some people do. Mm -hmm. Like, the anti-gun people want guns restricted, and there's a very liberty movement that says no. Mm -hmm. And the same thing's true of, uh, probably marijuana is the easier example, right? <clears throat> people want to smoke weed mm -hmm. and they don't want the government telling them that they can't. Now that recently passed in Ohio. Correct. You know what that changes about my life? Nothing. Nothing. Except there's a rental next door. So that might, like if we get new neighbors next door, then that might. Probably not, but. Yeah. Oh, you never know. There's a difference between ethics and law. Right. And so um, be ethical. Anyway, government overreach, the Jews had a reaction to it. And so by the time of Christ, there's this, this commitment 
mm-hmm. to circumcision that Paul's going to go back and say, think about Abraham again. Mm-hmm. Because when God first came to Abraham, he was uncircumcised and there was no law. So right. the law came later and Abraham wasn't circumcised until he was 100 years old. He's 75 when he leaves, mm-hmm. right? He's 100 when he gets circumcised. And Genesis 12 is before both of those things happen. And so he's basically kind of pointing to some realities that the Jewish people have to deal with. If Abraham believed God and that was credited to him as righteousness, and that happened prior to both his circumcision Mm -hmm. and the existence of the law, then how is Abraham going to boast before God? Right. He can't. And that's where, like, a little bit further on, Okay, so my brain locked up for a second. 4.13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if if, if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. Okay, so what, what this is saying here is, look, if faith doesn't, result in righteousness mm-hmm. right? and it's the law that does right how does the promise to abraham work what paul says is look if if it's not faith then there's no promise mm-hmm. and no jewish person would be like yeah i see what you're saying that's right <laughs> they would all just have like this extreme reaction wait a minute you can't say that because this promise is the one that we're relying on for god to give to abraham mm-hmm. so they are forced to agree with Paul that it has to be by faith, which like, it's kind of like that courtroom scene again, where Paul is imagining someone's going to have an objection. Mm -hmm. He answers the objection and then he sort of like drops the bomb at the end where he's (laughs) like, look, if it's not this, then it's that. Right. And if it's that, then we're toast. Mm -hmm. And so nobody wants to be toast. Um, so that's this is the whole thing about chapter 4. That Paul imagines someone is going to object to this. And in the objection, he sort of thinks it out. Okay. He says, "Okay, I see you I see you're going to object to this." And Paul was the guy like his ministry was traveling the ancient world, talking to Jewish people. He has heard this objection before. Mm-hmm. It's not new territory. And for he him. grew up Jewish. I mean, he's he, he Jewish. grew up Jewish. Yeah. He may have had this objection, mm-hmm. right? He may have been trusting in no, no, no. Abraham did works, and so we have to do works. And and that's where he's like he had to go through a real like change in his own life and mind, right? And so once he's made that change, um, you know, four sixteen says that's why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace. And be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And that's where, like, there is continuity and discontinuity 
between the church and Israel. So ancient Israel. Ancient Israel, the people of God, um, had the law, had circumcision, had all these values that basically increased their accountability. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people who first heard the gospel from the Jewish perspective became Christians, became followers of Jesus, because they saw in the law all the ways that God was laying the foundation for this Mm -hmm. event. And so now, you know, when this opens up to Gentiles, this is just amazing because now people who are not Jewish can claim a lineage to Abraham, a Mm -hmm. continuity with the people of God. And that means, like, that's incredible, right? Mm -hmm. Like, now I'm connected all the way back to Abraham and Adam and Eve and all these great people who are people of the faith, even though they're imperfect, Mm -hmm. right? And because it's by faith, the other thing that I think is really like the American cash takeaway value is that this should produce in the follower of Jesus an incredible sense of humility Mm. because it is not because you are so good. Mm -hmm. It is not because you are so bad. It is because of God being an incredible gift giver, right? Mm -hmm. If I were to give you a gift, um, what do you have to do to take it? Reach out. Just all you have to, like here. <laughs> right. Yeah. All you have to do is like your hands have to be empty, mm-hmm. right? And you just have to receive the gift. And that's where, um, <clears throat> that that's what really faith is. It's trusting in the stool. It's putting your weight on the stool. It's also receiving an incredible gift from God. Mm-hmm. And I think there's three kinds of people who would object to this. The first is the person who thinks they're too bad. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> There's nobody too bad for this. Paul was persecuting Christians, hurting people because mm-hmm. of their faith before he came to faith in Christ. Right. And he's in. So unless you've been murdering Christians for their beliefs, and even if you have, you're not too bad. I think that's where, you know, I met <clears throat> I met a woman one time and... Um, he just talked to her about, I, I can't remember what it was. it was. It was real brief. And she said, oh, I'm a pagan. <laughs> I said, man, a lot, of, a lot of pagans come to faith, right? Mm-hmm. Because God loves people, and God wants everyone to be able to come to him. Nobody's too bad. I think the other person is the I don't need that person, right? Okay. And you could think of that, like you go back and you think about Mr. Morals. He's got the rules. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Lives in a nice neighborhood, drives a nice car, pays his bills on time. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of person you'd want to live beside. Right. Paul's already told us that he needs him too. He needs Christ too. He needs to come to God his way. I think that might be the harder person to convince that they need, they have some need mm-hmm. you know, for God because they've got it all. Right. Right. Sometimes people at the end of their life will, when we confront mortality, that's one of the ways that we connect to our need. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't really matter how good of a person you are or how much money you have. Mm -hmm. Mortality is the thing that waits for us all. Um, I think Steve Jobs is probably the greatest example of that. The guy's got all the money that he could ever need, Mm -hmm. and yet cancer took him as a young man. Right. And unfortunately, we see that all the time. 
The final person is the religious person. And I think this person is the one who says things like, I have my own spirituality. I met somebody one time. Um, we used to have to do cold contact evangelism, just walking up to people and talking to them about Jesus mm. for Bible college. Ugh. Like you can imagine, like as a bookish introvert. Yeah. Yes. No, thank you. Yeah. I. Mm, it was hard. And I sat down, you know, on the on the campus of um, University of Michigan, I think it was. And um, you know, just try to strike up a conversation with somebody. He's like, oh, I've got my own spirituality. And I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I moved on. We were partnered up with other people. I moved on and <clears throat> we found this guy outside who's on smoke break. And it's like, all right, he, he looks like maybe he's the janitor. We'll just go over and oh, just talk to this guy. He's easy. Mm-hmm. It turns out he was a physics professor from Africa oh. who had written his own book about the divine, okay. right? And so I remember just like he had his own spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I remember having this conversation and trying to think, and, and it was really like now I know the name for it. It's probably some form of panentheism where God is in everything. Okay. <clears throat> um, but at the time, you know, I was younger. I didn't really know. I, and I'm just trying to hold on to this conversation. But when you create your own spirituality, even if it's complicated, mm-hmm. even if it's got, you know, books written about it, it doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Because the thing about your own spirituality is that it usually comes back around to you. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, kind of. And real spirituality is that you can't do whatever you want. You have to come to God and submit to him. And mm-hmm. submission is hard. Mm-hmm. Submission is the thing you look back in the Garden of Eden, two Two people put in the perfect place, Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. you can eat everything, but just don't eat this one tree. And they're like, you know what? I think God's keeping something from us. (laughs) And they do. It's very human. Mm -hmm. It's very much us. So I think that this this section of scripture, Romans 4, feels for Christians like, yeah, 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 I know. Right? Yeah. Like we've heard this. All of our lives, we've talked about it. Yeah, justification by faith. I'm made right because I trust in Jesus. And it's like, okay. But don't forget there's people that haven't heard it yet. Right. And I think that's where modern Christians, like our people, us, we, you know, I get excited when someone has never heard about God before because they ask wonderful questions. Right? Okay. When they start to understand and when they start to realize, oh, wait, this is for me, the gospel is for me, then it opens up a whole new world of wonder, okay. right, at mm-hmm. the incredible gift that God has given you. And yeah. so from that sense of wonder, like Romans 4 should create humility. It should create, you know, I didn't earn this. I'm not good enough for it. Um, how can I look down on people who don't have it? Because mm-hmm. there was a time when I didn't have it. And I think I said this I said this yesterday and talked a little bit about it, that God loves people that you don't like. Mm-hmm. He does. He sent his son to die for people that you don't like. And it doesn't matter like who that person is. I mean, you, you create a mental image of someone that you just absolutely loathe and hate. God loves them. It doesn't matter whether it's, uh, you know, <clears throat> there's war over in Palestine right now. Israel and Palestine are going at it, or is it at Gaza. God loves every one of those people on both sides of that conflict. Mm-hmm. You think about the war in Ukraine. God loves the Russians and the Ukrainians. God wants them all to become brothers and sisters in Christ. And hopefully that would result in 
like a better world. Mm-hmm. Like if, like I, I believe in world domination, right? I, I want to dominate the world, but I want to do it God's way through the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Because then it provides like this mental structure and foundation to say to somebody, you have to be nice. Yeah. You have to be kind to the people around you because God loves them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's hard. All the time that's hard, right? Yeah. Because people. But so Romans 4, and I mean, that's why it depends on faith. And so if you're a person of faith, I'm, I'm glad. I'm excited about that. Um, if you're not a person of faith, this is the most incredible gift you could ever receive. And all you have to do is use those empty hands to take it. I, if I was going to have an imaginary creature mm-hmm. as like my country's, I, I think it would have to be a centaur. A centaur. Yeah. Okay. Half man, so half. Half man, half, half horse. horse. Yeah. Okay. That, that would be my imaginary creature. Interesting. Because then it's like four legs, two arms, low and mane, long beard. <laughs> I think that would be the thing. 